tonight. Amen. We have a special guest, a friend of mine, and uh, all the way from Twin Falls, Idaho. And that, and I don't know if you know, but that's a little ways away, man. And uh, but he's he's coming here. He's he's a part of the, our, our family. Amen. Comes uh, through discipleship through uh, San Antonio, and now God's got him doing great things in Idaho with uh, church and homes, amen. And homes in multiple cities, amen. Men's homes, women's homes, ranches, all kinds of things. But I'm gonna invite up and call up, amen, uh, my friend Pastor Tony Lopez to come up. He's gonna give the word. Can we give him a Victory Life welcome tonight? just want to um, say thank you, um, Pastor Raymond, for allowing me and giving me an opportunity to be able to be here. Um, thank you, uh, Sister Heather, very much. My wife sends greetings. She's sorry that she could not be here with you. And we have eight children. And so she's at home taking care of the kids. And But I'm, I'm very grateful to be in, in this move of God. Amen. I know that uh, your pastor mentioned that we come from out of San Antonio. And that was a move of God. That was a move of God. Thank God for that move of God. Amen. But I want to tell you this more. I mean, tonight, that you are in this move of God. Amen. It's your time. It's your time in Jesus' name. Amen. You're in this move of God. God is doing something new and something fresh. And I thank the Lord that as we come here, I can sense the peace of God. I can sense his presence. Amen. He has something wonderful for you, for, for you. And don't, don't think that all of your labor and sacrifice goes unnoticed. Everything that you've been doing, all the hard labor, you know, sometimes it seems like, man, when is this ever going to stop? But I want to tell you that God has chosen you to be the Nehemiahs of this hour. God's chosen you to be the Nehemiahs of this hour, to come up underneath that ministry of Nehemiah, to rebuild, to rebuild the walls within the church. Amen. And how many know that it takes laborers to rebuild the walls in Jesus' name? And sometimes we can get tired in the midst of that. And Nehemiah gathered the people together and gave them a word to take the sword in one hand. Amen. Watch over your family. That sword is the word of God. Amen. And work with the other as we rebuild. And so you've been chosen for this move of God to rebuild in Jesus' name. And God's about to pour out his spirit like you've never seen it. Never before, it says, and the latter rain shall be greater than that which was in the beginning. In Jesus' name. Will you help me pray? Lord, I just offer myself tonight to you. I'm human. I need you, Lord. I don't want to stand in the way I don't, I don't, of someone receiving a touch from you tonight. Someone receiving restoration tonight. Someone receiving, Father, opened eyes, deaf ears being opened, the lame receiving their wholeness. So, Lord, tonight, cover me. Cover us. Cover our conscience. We know the enemy wants to try to come and steal this word and bring confusion. But, Lord, I thank you tonight that it already has been spoken. And we declare your word and we thank you for your word. We thank you for this atmosphere. 
we offer ourselves to you Lord bring understanding let us see you let us just let you love us we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus amen and amen well tonight I want to ask you if you would please go with me to the book of Luke And we're going to go in the book of Luke, and they might have it already, Luke 24, verse 13. 24, verse 13, once you're there, so I want to know you more, Jesus. I want to know you more, Jesus. Amen. A little different than amen, right? We're going to do something a little different tonight. Amen. I don't have to stay here. Your pastor does. <laughs> amen. I want to know you more, Jesus, right? Because every time we go into the word of God, we should want to know him more. Amen? We should want to know Jesus more. And so as we go here, we see this situation. It says here, and behold, two of them were going um, that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. We're going to read a little bit. And they were, they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. And it says, while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself, say Jesus himself. Jesus himself. See, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. Amen? And, but their eyes were what? Prevented from recognizing him. Come on, somebody. And he said to them, what are these words that you are exchanging with one another? As you are walking. And they stood still looking sad. One of them named Cleopas answered and said to him. Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem. And unaware of things which have happened here in these days. And he said unto them. What things? And they said unto him the things about Jesus of Nazareth. Who was a prophet mighty indeed and word in the sight of God and all people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But, he were, but we were hoping that, what, that, he, uh, that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. But also some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of these who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as a woman also had said, but, he, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe and all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and not to enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. And they approached the village where they were going, where they were going. And he, accept, he acted as though he were going further. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is getting towards evening. 
And that day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. He vanished from their sight. Amen. So tonight, as we're going to, we're going to read a little bit more here in a little bit. But as we get into this, I want to tell you in my days, as a pastor said, that I've been serving the Lord for a little bit of time. Um, in that little bit of time, um, I was saved in 2001 um, under the uh, uh, ministry of Pastor Freddy Garcia. Uh, my life was dramatically changed. I was a heroin addict. I was in the streets, um, highways and byways. I was locked up at the age of eight years old in the um, juvenile system of California. Didn't get out till I was 18 years old, in and out of youth authorities, facilities, group homes, and foster homes. Hidden in the streets of San Antonio, Texas at the age of 18 years old, I began to run because all my life people were telling me what to do and while I was incarcerated, when to go to bed, when to do this. And so I hit the street running and I started getting out there selling drugs and stealing cars and doing all those things. And it wound me up in prison in a two-time sentence. And I began to do prison time and go in and go out. And I found myself trying to run and hide and get away from myself. And I ended up in California. I'm giving you the fast forward version. And I ended up in California looking for a way out and a new life. But I was running from myself. And you can't get away from yourself. I even changed my name and got a new ID with a new social security card and everything. But I was still me. I was still me. Amen. And I ended up going to the streets of Idaho, Idaho to go deliver drugs. And I ended up finding a world out there that was so different than from where I came. And I was like a big fish in a little pond. And I said, man, I found me a place. I found me a lick, you know. And I ended up going out there and getting in trouble. I ended up shooting some guy for calling me a wetback. So don't call me a wetback, right? <laughs> and so... Just for calling me a wetback, I shot him and ended up on the run and ended back up on the streets of San Antonio. And right there in the streets of San Antonio, somebody from the home reached out to me and told me that I didn't have to live the way I was living. That Jesus Christ could change my life and, and that I, there was a place for me to go to if, if um, I wanted to, to be able to learn this new life. And so I, I went there, not to go there to change, but to hide out from the cops because I was running from the FBI. I was running from all these, these the, they were after me. And not only that, but I was running from the dope man. How many know that? Amen? <laughs> and so I ended up in the home. I ended up there in the home trying to hide out and get myself together. And then I was going to take off to Mexico. But right there in that home is where I began to look at these crazy guys coming in and out of the dorms, tattooed and messed up just like I was and saying, Jesus loves you and he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And I said, man, you done lost it in my mind. I'm thinking, these guys are crazy. But the more and more I watched them, there was something inside of them that I really wanted. I saw joy. I saw peace that I looked for in, in, in drugs and money and, and, and power and, and position. But I never found it. And there in that home, God changed my life. See, Jesus changed my life. I went to a conference, and at that conference, Pastor Jose Luis Flores was preaching in Spanish. His wife was interpreting in English. The Holy Spirit began to fail, which I never even knew anything about. I thought the guy was having a seizure. So Honestly, I thought he was having a seizure, and all of a sudden, he began to pray for different people, and people began to fall out. I went up there. I heard the voice of God tell me, let me have it, son. And that night, 
I gave my life to Jesus and I surrendered all of the hurt, all of the pain and everything that caused me to be who I was in that time. And right there that night, I became his. He took away all my hurt. He took away everything. I'd like to tell you the story uh, ended up uh, happy ever after. But that's not the way it went. I stayed in the home and I ended up still owing a debt to society. The enemy began to use that, that, he, that the FBI were going to come in and they were going to get me or the dope man who he was connected to were going to come in the home and get me. And I took off and I ran. And I ended up locked up. I ended up locked, locked up. They gave me 23 years in prison. See, I heard the voice of God and I was filled with his spirit, but I didn't know him. And in that time, in that process that he took me as I went to prison and I was there this time, I was in search for Jesus. I was looking for the Lord. I wanted to know him. I heard his voice. I gave him my life. I was filled with his spirit. I spoke in tongues. I evangelized the streets, but I didn't know him. I didn't know him. You see, in this scripture that we read tonight... See, we're, we're going we're gonna to talk about these men and these people, these disciples who were walking with Jesus. They had seen him do great miracles like many of you in ministry, many of you in the home, many, many of you that have been around, many of you that have been spectators for far too long. You need to be participators. You see, you've been, you've been seeing God move. You've been seeing God do something in this ministry, in your pastor's lives, in your leader's lives. But see, God wants to do something inside of you. You see, some of you guys, you, you've been walking with the Lord and you've been seeing him. You've been under discipleship. Maybe you're saved tonight. Maybe you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you spoke in tongues and maybe you've been evangelizing. Maybe you, you know, you're ahead and, and somewhere in some leadership. Well, guess what? The apostles were too. The apostles were too. But see, they were missing something. They were missing something. As we look at that tonight, amen, as we look at it, I want you to be able to see that Jesus Christ wanted to do something inside of them i'm drawn to an account as we talk about that that all along as we you know so lately the lord has been having me study the account of the in the, in the wilderness and when jesus when god brought them out of the land of egypt and he took them and he was taking them to the promised land but they had to go through the wilderness and, and, I, and i began to discover this that it's the exact same things that jesus was trying to teach those people he was doing with the 12 disciples if you begin to look at all the monuments of things, and you, it's like a per, per, perfect picture that you put right over each other. And see, God is trying to do that same very thing in, inside of each and every one of us. As we read that tonight, as we, as we hear that, if you really hear it, you're going to hear this. See, what did Jesus tell him? He said, um, why are you so sad? Why do you look so sad? Why is your continence down? These men were walking and their hope had dissipated. Their hope had gone backwards, amen? And they, they were, they were, they were, they were, there's going to be times for, in your life and in your walking God, whether you're barely starting off or you've been in this for a while, where there's going to be some disappointments, amen? Yeah. See, there's going to be some discouragements going on, hallelujah. And when we look at these men, we look at the church, we see disciples that were following Jesus, and they seem, they seem to love it. They seem to be inside of there. And many of you, you, you seem to love it and you seem to hear, but there's going to be some trying times. There's going to be some questioning moments. Amen. You see, these men and these also, I don't want to leave you out, women. Amen. There was women there too. We always seem to talk about the men. The women and the men were following Jesus. They were following and they continued to walk with him. 
But they had their ups and they had their downs. Remember, I told you that I wish the story ended just like that, happily ever after. But as I began to walk with God, there was things that I had to go through. Like many of you, you're going to go through and you're going to see through all of this that God, what he's trying to do, he's trying to get you to see that he loves you. And that's, the, that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. Just let Jesus love you. Just let Jesus love you, man. Amen. Just let Jesus love you. You see, these disciples, as we read this and we see, and if you're a Bible reader, if you really read the Bible, you're going to see that these men that he chose were messed up. They were a wreck, man. They were tore up from the floor up. Hello. <laughs> Sound like somebody you know? Hey, man, you keep trying to run from yourself, and God's just saying, let me love you. Let me love you. It's my love that's going to change you. See, those disciples, they had their ups and downs. You know, not only they had their ups and downs, but did you know that they left Jesus at the cross? Charlie. The one that gave them everything, they left him at the cross. They abandoned him. Ain't nobody abandoning your pastor, right? Amen. Ain't nobody abandoning somebody who loves you, right? They abandoned Jesus right before he went to heaven. Amen. But he still loved them. He still loved them. Amen. Hallelujah. But they went on. They went on. And from that moment, did you hear that? From that moment on, Jesus began to express his love to them. He began to chase them down. His love began to embrace them. See, many times you and I begin to, when we fail, we fall short. When we don't measure up, we oftentimes, you might be here tonight, you might feel like that. You may not say it to nobody. You might be in a leadership position. You may feel like, you know what, man? I'm never going to cut the mustard. I'm never going to make it. But I'm here to tell you that God's love is going to make you make it. Amen. You see, his love is so, so beautiful, man. His love and his mercy and his grace, it'll chase you down no matter where you go, man. Some of you guys know this. You know exactly. You just need to hear this tonight so that your faith rises back up inside of you. You've heard this before. You know this before. You knew that he chased you down to that house. What do they call them? Trap houses? I'm not even in with the stuff anymore, right? What do they call them? Trap houses? He chased you down to the trap house. All high and messed up. And you know Jesus is just loving you, man. Right there, loaded your first time. And Jesus is just wrapping you and saying, I love you, son. I love you. I'm there for you in Jesus' name. That's true. That's the vision of Jesus. The true vision of Christ is to love you, man. To love you. To, un to love the unlovable. Amen? Amen? See, he loved you so much. He came as a man. Hmm? He came as a man. He gave himself to the very creation, the very people he chose. He gave himself to them knowing that they were going to refuse him. Knowing that they were going to not only refuse him, but they were going to beat him. Knowing that they were going to pull his beard off. Knowing they were going to put a bag over his head and punch him and say, prophesy, who hit you? He gave himself to them. Knowing that they were going to dishonor him and disgrace them. Knowing that Peter was going to run away after saying, I'll die with you, man. I'll never leave you. He knew that already. He knew it. And they're in the, in the, just loving them. Even he knew Judas was going to give him a kiss and betray him. He knew it. But he still gave himself. I want to tell you, man, you can't ever mess up too bad or go too far 
that his love will not chase you down, man. I tell you, and I testify of that tonight in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So maybe this is something, as you hear me say that tonight, maybe, maybe you're sensitive right now. You hear with the word right now, right? Maybe you're sensitive right now. And that hurt your heart to hear that they did that to our Jesus. Maybe, you, maybe inside of yourself, man, you're just like, why? Why would they do that to my Jesus? You're sensitive. You're in that area. Or maybe, you know, um, you rejoice because you've experienced that. You, knew, you know what that came about because of that. Maybe you, you know, you're in that place where you're like, you know what? Amen. He did that for me. Amen. And maybe that's where you're at. And maybe you haven't experienced his love yet. But as you listen tonight, I want you to keep this in mind. Because I'm going to challenge you. Amen. I'm going to challenge you tonight as we look at this. Keep this in mind. How have you dishonored him? How have you rejected him? How have you turned your back? How have you run out on Jesus? And I don't say that in a way tonight to put you and bring you low, but yet for you to understand how his love has come and it's surrounded you. It's embraced you. It's forgive you. And it's come to you time after time after time in Jesus' name. Because maybe, just maybe tonight, you'll get what it takes to open your eyes. To see that it's been Jesus all along that's been walking with you. But there's something that you and I lack in our life in order to get the revelation of who's truly walking with you. You see, as your brother takes you, as you come in the home or come into the church in ministry, and somebody comes alongside you. See, it's literally Christ that's walking with you in that brother or that sister. My pastor used to say this, man, you wouldn't know Jesus if he was sitting to you next to you, dummy. That's just the way he was. And then he'd say, because he is. It's your brother next to you, your sister next to you, the one, the one you can't stand four seats back behind you. Let's get off that topic, right? I might open up a can of worms, amen? See, but his love surrounded them. His love chased them down. And in doing so, man, they ended up being used mightily by God. When they really got this, this revelation of who he was, then no matter what they did, no matter how far they ran, he was still going to chase them down. See, they began to be used mightily by God. Amen? In ways they never thought. In ways they never thought. Think about that. Your pastor was telling me the accounts of how you guys got to this place, man. I'm like, and how, you know, it's not so much the place. I, I, I'm not on that trip. I've had, I have all kinds, of, I've had buildings, ministries, all kinds of stuff. That, that's, I'm not on that trip. But look at you. I see the joy of God all over you, man. You are better than those buildings you're building. All those places are is for you to be able to shine in Jesus' name so others can come to know him. I see the building in you. I see, the, I see all the construction and the foundation and everything, the windows and everything that's been put in your life. Before all the physical came, your pastors began to build people. And this is the result, my friend. Hallelujah. And that's what these men in, this, in the scripture here, these men didn't know the capacity of how God, I mean, sometimes, bro, I scratch my head and I look back and I'm like, not looking back like, oh, I wish I could go back there. Just like, I was a crackhead 20 years ago. I was a no good for nothing father. 
I got eight kids and my wife wants more. <laughs> Help me, Lord. <laughs> Amen? And that's not a joke. She <laughs> Come on, Jesus. He said be fruitful and multiply, right? Let me get off the topic before he start doing has pastor said has to do in marriage counseling and stuff. Amen. <laughs> I don't know. That's free 50. <laughs> you see these disciples were using a capacity man that just blew their mind. I bet you many times they they're like I walked out on him. But he just loved me, man. I abandoned him. But he just loved me. He received me. Check this out. Peter denied him and took off and took some homeboys with him and went back to fishing. Amen? Ain't nobody ever done that here, right? Amen? Took somebody with you, right? Took a homegirl with you, right? Oh, now I'm getting somewhere, right? He went out there and he was there and Jesus resurrected. And after he resurrected, he says, go get the disciples. Hmm? Go get the disciples. But check this out. Jermaine, Juan, Jojo, Smith, whatever your name is tonight. He said, go get him too. Because he didn't feel like he was the disciple no more. Hmm? You ever felt like that? And Jesus has to call you by name, man. You feel like you messed up so bad that, man, you know what? I'm not a disciple no more. I messed up so bad, man. I let them down. He said, go get the disciples, but call Peter too. Because even the people around didn't think that Peter was a disciple no more. Hmm? You ever feel like that? Like people looking at you like they receive you in a different way. They don't look at you like they ain't no more. You ain't good. You no good. Even your own brothers, right? In the Lord. <laughs> My God, I must have hit a nerve. Hmm? Don't make me preach like Pastor Anthony, huh? Because <laughs> huh? I, I got some black in me. Let me tell you. Should I say some soul? <laughs> Amen? I'm telling you. Looking at you like you ain't no good. Like you, man, look at that. Maybe sometimes even go and say, man, why are you, why are you helping him out? Why are you doing this? But it's the love of Jesus. It's the love of Jesus that called Peter back. He said, go get the disciples. Go call Peter and bring them over here. And he gave, he gave Peter an opportunity to redeem himself. Three times, do you love me? Feed my sheep, feed my lamb. If you love me. What he was telling them, if you love me, then abandon yourself. You abandon yourself. Just let me love you, Peter. You can never love me enough. Just let me love you. You see, he first loved us, right? Yet we were sinners. Christ died for us. So see, he's saying, Peter, it's not about what you can do for me, but it's about what I want to do for you, man. I want to just embrace you. I want to love you. And maybe you feel like that tonight. Amen? And sometimes, you know, when you go through stuff like that, you ever ask yourself, you ever ask God, you know, just say like, why? Why, man? Sometimes we feel like we don't want to ask him that because he's God, right? Hallelujah. I mean, a good why. God, why? But as I think about more and more, 
how they, you know, how these men and these women begin to serve the Lord and how they did it, how they truly gave their life to Jesus. I want to tell you what I found at the home. When I went there, when I went to the home, I remember looking and I remember seeing a mother and a father. I remember seeing people going back and forth, people loving each other. I was watching. You guys are watchers, right? I was a watcher, man. I would watch everything that was going on. And I see them loving each other. I see them get into like little quarrels and like, hey, brother, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. And I said, man, this is a trip. You know, usually we'd be fighting or, you know, something. But, man, they're loving each other. Check them out. And they're wrong. They still they make accepting they're wrong. And, and, and so I began to look at that and I said, what's going on here? What was going on is that they were letting Jesus love them. It, it wasn't what they did for Jesus, but it was what they were letting Jesus do for them. Amen. And as I, I believe that a lot of us find ourselves in a mess because we want to do for God, do for God, do for God. When we need to let him do for us, do for us, do for us. You see what I'm saying? You got to let him love you. You got to let him just love you, man. You, see, I, I, many, I, I see it happen all the time. New Christians come in. New brothers in the home, they get excited. And I want to get involved. I want to go out to the streets. I want to do this. They get out. And then I, I'll help out in Sunday school. I'll help out in the youth. I'll go evangelize in the church. God touched their heart. And they're like, man. You know, and then God says, I want you to go tell one person. And we get out there. And we, you know, start going. And we get going. And we start... Yeah, Jesus loves you, man, because Jesus sent the 70, remember? He sent them out. Go, go out, and then I want you to come back. You see? And so they go out, and they start, and so all this stuff, you get involved, and before long, you're like, you're like, I'm the only one doing it. Nobody else is doing it. I'm the one that always has to end up doing it. I don't even, and that sister, I don't even know why you saved her, because she ain't even doing nothing. You start complaining. You start getting bitter. And then God says, hey, Tony, Tony. What? Oh, God, hi. <laughs> yeah. You see, I got involved, man. I'm out there passing out flyers. I'm in the banana bread ministry. I'm hooking up, you know, here. You know, I'm doing good, Pastor. But, man, you know, I don't know about that. Uh, you know, God, this. And he says, you know, Tony, I never asked you to do all that. I never asked you to do all that. All I asked you to do is go tell one person about what I did for you and then come back. And that's where a lot of us fail, man, is we don't come back. We don't come back to the feet of Christ. We don't come back to the place of intimacy with the Lord. You see, we don't come back to a place where God wants to take us and he wants to begin to make himself real to us so we can get to know him. So we can get to know him. There was a time in my life I got so busy in ministry, man. So busy in ministry. And let me tell you, brothers, you guys that are here in ministry, if I can speak to you, please, not from up here, but from down here. I let ministry just take my life. I began to thought I was make baking and shaking and doing all kinds of stuff, man. But you know what I lost out of it? I lost the presence of God. I lost the presence of God in my life. I thought I was doing all these things, and you know what? The Lord was warning me. He was telling me all kinds of things that I was reaching out for him. I was saying, God, I need you. I want you. And you know what he told me? He said this. 
You stopped letting me be enough, Tony. You started getting drunk on the accolades. I didn't even know what this word meant. I had to go look it up. He said, you got, you got drunk on the accolades of people. On the accolades of people. I'm like, accolades? What does that mean? <laughs> Applause. Cheer. You know what the people in my city used to say? We got our own little Tommy Barnett here. The, they were bringing the people, the rich people, the ones that everybody else wanted was coming to our ministry. They were coming. Everything excited about momentum and growth. But I left the presence of God back there. I left them back there. And you know what? One day I was walking in. I had some pastors visiting. You know how we do. Oh, maybe I'm not talking to the right church. Take them out. Go do this. Go do that. Everything's fine. Everything's okay. Right? Serve and everything. That's, we're supposed to do that. That's a part of our training and, and leadership and the things that we do. But if you do it without the presence of God, it means nothing. It's a bunch of work. And so here we go as going through it. And on the newspaper, right on the newsstand as I walk into Sherry's, I look at the newspaper and, it, and the Lord says this to me. He says, if you don't repent, I'll have to do the same. And I look at the paper and there's a senator and he's blasted on the paper. And I said, What? I remember going to a conference as a pastor, going to a conference and seeking, man, God just began to seek his face. Where are you at? I need you. I'm looking for you. I want you, God. I left you back there. I don't know. God, I need you. Just searching and looking and searching for him. And I heard him speak these words. I said, where are you, God? I know he's everywhere. I know he's everywhere. I know he's everywhere. But I wanted to know where he was at, what he was doing, where he was moving, his presence. You know what he said to me? He said, I'm in the hour of restoration. I'm in the hour of restoration. And he says, and it starts with you, Tony. He said, in times past, I've winked on all those things, but no more. If you will not repent, I will have to cause you shame. So that not that it will drive you away, but that it will bring you unto repentance. That's God loving you. Because when you drift and you go away from the presence of God, he doesn't want you to go away because he knows what can happen out there. We have an adversary of our soul that comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. You see, and God was loving me. He was trying to bring me back. He was covering me. But he had to allow me to fall flat on my face. You see? And here I find myself as being one of those disciples. Knowing Jesus, knowing ministry, have a ministry, because they had ministry. <laughs> Walking with Jesus for three and a half years, doing the things they were doing. They casted out devils, seeing those great things going on. But there's something that I didn't know about God. There's something I didn't know about him. You see, that he's even the God of my mistakes. He's the God of my failures. He's a God that can take my mess, my mess, amen? He can take my mess and do something glorious with it, man. That it wasn't what I did. See, I prided myself. I was in a position in a place where I would say, you know what? We're going to serve God and we're going to be faithful. We're, we're not going to be like those people. We're not going to do those things. You know, we're going we're gonna to live for God righteously and, and holy. He had to take even that away from me hmm? so that I could see his love. That it wasn't in my own righteousness that I was going to serve him. In my own foolishness. You see? And can I tell you tonight as we read this. We read this scripture here. 
that these men, as they were walking with Jesus, they didn't know who he was. They didn't know what he, who he was, even though they had been with him. How many of you have been with Jesus? How many of you have been with Christ? Christ come, he gave you salvation. He filled you with the Holy Spirit. Amen? He filled you with the Holy Spirit, gave you a home, loved you. But yet, Jesus has been walking with you, and you don't even know that it's him walking with you. Even in your distress. Even in your confusion. Even in your struggle. Hmm? He's walking with you. And these men did not know who he was after he had resurrected until a certain account. And when we read that he said he took him, see Jesus acted. Isn't that doesn't that doesn't that intrigue you? I don't know about you, but I read the Bible, I read it like in 15 versions of um, animated, you know? Like when I read it, I'm serious. It gets animated in me. Like I look at every corner, like sometimes I push pop, boop, and it's like every time, look, okay. All right. Uh-huh. And I, I, I look at it from every angle because why? I've learned that the word of God is not just a story. It's the word of God. It's real. And so as I look at the, look at the word of God, I check it out and say, why did he act like he was going to keep on going? Hmm. Hey, it's getting uh, night and, uh, you know, it's the day spent. Would you like to come? He acted like he was going to keep going because Jesus wants to be wanted. Jesus wants to be wanted. He wants to be invited into your home. He wants to be invited into your heart. He wants to be invited into your life. You see, these men, they had been with Jesus. Why weren't their life totally transformed? They had been with Jesus. They saw so many things. So you can tell me, you know what? I said a prayer, therefore my life is transformed. Know the truth. And the truth will set you free. That's not just a one-time account. As you come to know and in revelation of who he is and his love for you gets you into a place of repentance and you begin to know him. One time I asked the Lord, I said, I was being honest with him. I was reading the Bible and I said, God, it says that these angels and that they bow night and day saying holy and holy. I said, for all eternity. I said, God, I mean, I love worship. I mean, don't get me wrong, but that sounds a little bit boring for all eternity. Okay, you don't want to be real. You don't be real. I'm being real with God. Like, you know, you might sit back and think, huh, you know, um, uh, why would you do that? Blasphemy, brother. Why would you talk to God that way? You know? <laughs> I said, God, I mean, I love worship. You don't know me. Tears, mocos, and all, you know? Ooh, you know, just worshiping. I love worship. But I said, God, all day and night? And he said, because those angels... Those angels, when they bow and they come back up, they see a whole different side of me. Hallelujah. And he said, I am so big, those angels never see all of me. So it's hallelujah. It's not a fake hallelujah. It's not religious. It's hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm like, whoa, what a revelation. I'm like, whoa, now I understand. You see, in revelation of who Christ is brings you to true repentance, and true repentance brings you to bring to receive the love of God. Because that's exactly what it is, is. He's revealing himself to you even though we don't deserve it, but we stay busy. We stay occupied with all the wrong things. We push ourselves away. We do our little Bible studies. We go on to church. We get involved in things. And let me tell you what the Lord told me about that. 
The Lord said this. He said, that's family time. He said, but you know what doesn't happen in family time? He said, what doesn't happen in the bedroom? He said, what happens in the, in the living room with you and your kids doesn't happen in the bedroom. I was like, oh, you're going somewhere here. Okay. He said, because in the place of intimacy, conception comes. Oh, you ain't ready for that, huh? Conception comes. And he said, this is what's going on with you, Tony. Is you, you, you know, you prepare a Bible study and you pray with the homeboys. You pray before the church. You do all those things and that's family time. And I thought that was good enough. I'm praying with the home. I'm doing this. But see, there was a moment where God would begin to draw me and I knew it. And I'd be like, he's drawing me away. But I was busy in this. I was busy in that. And I was not able to go to the bedroom with him so that he can inseminate my heart with vision. He can inseminate my heart so there would be purpose. There would be revelation that would begin to grow inside my spiritual womb so that I can give birth to new revelation of who he was. See, that's called intimacy. That's called intimacy. Oh, hallelujah. That's called intimacy. That makes me to my last point. These men were walking. And he, he was wanting them to invite them into his life, into, into their home, to their life, to their situation. Come on, come, come, come. Come chill with us. Come, come, to, our, come to our house. And did you know, you have to understand their custom in that hour, where, where they, back then, the custom of that time. To break bread with another man was one of the most intimate things that you could do in that time. Not like that. <laughs> but it was something intimate. It wasn't just something, okay, let's break bread. It was the most intimate. Look it up. Study it. One of the most intimate things that you could do with another man. You were, you were literally breaking bread together. See, and they didn't get the revelation of who he was until they broke bread together. See, we're not going to get the revelation of who Jesus is if you don't spend time to sit at the table with him, invite him in, and break bread with him. You see, the intimacy of God's word and the intimacy of, his, of prayer is the jugular, jugular veins that pass the blood from the conscience, the blood of Jesus, continually knowing that you're loved, right? Beloved, beloved, beloved. You're constantly being loved by God and understanding how he never gives up on you, never stops. He'll continue. And see, when you get in that place of revelation of who, of knowing him, of breaking bread with him, man, the, the, the limits once they knew who he was, they took the land. The very people that were punching him, the very people that were saying crucify him, there was 3,000 souls saved when Peter got up and preached the gospel message after he received the revelation of who he was, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But you know what I see today? There are many people in the church. We're okay with other people doing it for us. We're, with, we're okay with other people carrying the burden. We're okay with other people going to meet God for us and bringing us a little peace. We're okay with that. And you and I got to, man, there's got to be a switch that turns on tonight. And I prayed, God, may they receive the revelation tonight 
of going to a place of intimacy. I'm not saying stop the work. I'm saying in order for you, see, Nehemiah, as they were building the, the wall, it said that they came halfway up. And they grew weary and they grew tired. And I know many of you, because I'm tired and I'm weary. They, halfway. And look, how much more? When are you coming back, Jesus? Do you even believe that he's coming back? He can come back tonight. Man, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back for us, man. Don't you ever let anybody take that from you. He is coming back. He hasn't already come back. He's coming back for us. And he's coming for a bride without, a bride without spot or wrinkle. So it's going to get hot. Because the iron is being turned on to iron out the wrinkles in your life. To take the spots out. It's going to get hot. Every one of your work is going to be tried by fire, man. Everything. You're going to go through some stuff. But Jesus is going to love you through it. He's going to love you. He's going to be there for you in Jesus' name. So as I begin to close, I'm going to keep you long. I want to tell you that if you don't hear the sound of his footsteps, and something's wrong. If you don't hear the sound of God's footstep wanting the fellowship with you. Amen. He came in the garden. And they said they heard the sound of the Lord. And you know what? Many of us today, maybe you do hear that sound. You hear the sound of the Lord. And instead of, yes, anticipating and waiting you hide in ministry. You hide in your position. You hide in your busyness. You hide. You hide in your shame. You hide in the mistakes that you made. Just like they did. They put themselves and sold and they were hiding behind a bush. Maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you've never been intimate with God. Maybe you've never even known that. You've been saved. You're going to go to heaven. But you've never known what intimacy with Jesus is all about. And God wants to call you to that place. He wants to open up your ears tonight. I'm in, I believe in physical healing. I believe in that. But I believe that physical healing is a result of your spiritual healing being healed first. Faith inside. Your faith, because of hearing of this Jesus, this Jesus who's a healer, he's a deliverer. That's why you came to this home. That's why you came to this church. You guys have been here for a time. You came and you've been sticking it out here because you've been believing for a move of God. You've been believing for, man, to take the land for Jesus. You came here, some of you broken, Bruised from your past, man. Looking for to be healed by your from your emotions, your mind, your from getting away from drugs and that past life. You were tired of being sick and tired. And can I tell you that he's done that? He's done that already. He's healed you, he saved you, he washed you with his precious blood. That's done already. But he wants you to enter in a place of intimacy with him. So you can truly come to know him. So that when people see you and they experience you, 
they experience him they see Jesus you know why you're busy you know why your pastor is busy and, and loving and caring and his wife and because they want people to see Jesus inside of them the Jesus that's inside of them they want others to catch that can I tell you that if you would just let that happen you wouldn't have to try so hard you wouldn't have to try so hard the burden wouldn't be so heavy I'm not just talking to you this is where he has me right now this is where he has me from the pulpit on down my friend judgment rebuke and correction starts at the pulpit I promise you I promise you all we have to do is have hearing ears to be able to say yes Lord I have forsaken you I have left you somewhere I don't know where but I don't want that anymore you're, you're the one that has to decide tonight God is reaching it's him that's reaching it's him that's brought me here tonight it's him that gave this message tonight and you're the one that has to come to the feet of Jesus tonight you have to tell him with all your heart and soul God I've left you somewhere I left you somewhere and as this worship team begins to worship tonight I pray that you will come to these altars tonight that you will let Jesus deal with you let Jesus deal with you man be honest with him he knows it already don't try to sow fig tree leaves and try to hide under this or that or I needed to do this or I, I did this just say, be honest. I left you, man. I forgot you. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to begin to reveal things to you. He's going to begin to show you. He's going to give you a word tonight. I want to tell you something. God told me to tell you tonight, just let him love you, man. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what's happening in your life. But when I looked at you, God told me, that's the man. God said, just tell him, let me love him. Amen. Let's worship the Lord. Oh